Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero for the Workday Afternoon. In the studio with me, JP Ong, because this is now the show again. It's going to be interesting tomorrow because is Jeff going to be on the show? Uh, Yes, he will be. On the Uh, phone. Last I checked, and barring a... Barring a unforeseen circumstance, I believe J- Jeff will be with us on the show tomorrow. All right, and, and he will be. He, he, on he the will phone. not. He will not be with us unless you are here. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was oh. me trying to butter you up on a Thursday. So by the way, so how well trained is that? <laughs> and how well trained have the markets been today? Mostly up across the region. The SDI was before the lunch break up by zero point three percent. Just past the 2,600 mark. What do you see now? Well, we are still past the 2,600 mark. We've added about six and a half points to today's register. Um, I do want to point out, though, that the Straits Times Index did start out today in the red. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't the most ideal start, but this is more of a story of a come from behind in some sense. Sure. The local benchmark has now wiped out those early losses, and now you're seeing slight gains up by six and a half points. Uh, or about uh, 0.25% in the green. And for an exact level, it's 2,616. That's where we're resting at the moment. Once again, value turnover, very, very anemic at the moment. 471 million Singapore dollars in total value turnover for the first half. It's the curse of Thursday. Pretty much. I think it's the curse of Thursday. It's also just the way sentiment has been guided at the start of the second half. We also saw a relatively uh, tepid turnover also yesterday and also throughout the course of the of the last week of the, of the first half also or of June. Um, this has brought things down. 202 stocks, REITs and trusts that are in the green at least, 160 in the red. So you're still seeing very cautious gains and also very thin trading volumes here and across the region. Um, there is a bit on the minds of Singaporeans, and it was uh, highlighted also by by some uh, by some analysts uh, that uh, Singaporean trading might actually be a little bit thinner right now because there are big, bigger and more important things to focus on over the next two weeks, uh, such as this thing called the general elections, mm-hmm. right? And this might actually keep people a little bit wary and perhaps just cautious on making any wild moves or swings on the on the on the on the markets at the moment. And also, why you're seeing perhaps just a little bit more cautious trading. No one's taking any chances right now. Um, they are a number of analysts though have pointed out that Singaporean markets, though they have recovered handsomely in the second quarter, we're still down though year to date, but recovered handsomely. It's not as strong. Whereas potent a recovery as other markets across the world. Now, there could be a number of reasons behind that. There are a lot of question marks over the fate of the global economy, given that Singapore is such an open economy as well. If the global economy does not recover, this could mean also that a recovery here might be hamstrung. Uh, The other thing they're also pointing out, though, is that once we get a little bit of clearance from the general elections and folks can start to refocus back on where to take the markets, you might see optimism start to come back. Also because markets here are still relatively cheap compared to other markets, especially when you look at price-to-book valuations. They're still trading at a discount versus, say, the U.S. and even some other peers here in Southeast Asia. So, so there, there are reasons, but for the moment, uh, there, there, there might be a case to be made that Singaporean markets and equities and trading activity might not be as exciting, at least for the next two weeks. And we're seeing proof of that, at least with value turnover today, at below $480 million. Um, The rest of the region, though, uh, trading in the green for the most part. I'm just taking a quick check here. The Nikkei 225 is one of the is one of the only ones that's down at the moment but there you go they've wiped that out they're up by 11 points now ASX 200 Australia up by one and a half percent 
Shanghai and Shenzhen more than 1% in the green. You've got the Hang Seng reopening after yesterday's holiday, and they are up by 1.5%. The KOSPI also trading 18 points higher. And the Taiwan Weighted Stock Exchange also about 82 points in the green. There is a new reason to be optimistic again in the markets. And that's also because investors are taking track of some positive developments with regards to COVID-19 vaccines. This time, from the candidate that's being proposed by Pfizer and BioNTech uh, and their partner BioNTech, they, there have been reports that the early stage trials have yielded promising results. A number of uh, analysts have actually pointed out that these might be some of the more robust, positive results, at least for an early vaccine. Now, again, these are early stage trials. As we know, vaccines have to go under two or three trial rounds, at least, before you can actually verify them. But it is a stoking uh, optimism that there is going to be a solution, or at least a vaccine solution to this sooner rather than later. And I think this is also what's keeping markets a bit upbeat so far today. The hopes that maybe we have a solution to the COVID-19 vaccine no, crisis. The, however, we also have to point out that cases around the world continue to rise. I believe right at last count, it's 10.7 million um, that global is a big cases, number. I believe. And in the U.S., they also reported their biggest one-day spike ever throughout this whole pandemic, mm-hmm. 50,000 cases overnight. And there are concerns that the world's largest economy, if that slows down, then that also curtails a possible global recovery. Because as we've seen with a number of these economies, um, even though you have things sort of under control, and even though you do keep your economies humming, if your external trading partners start to show signs of slowing down, then where are you going to generate some of this business as well? And I think that's also a question for a lot of Singaporean manufacturers and also exporters who are based here. Um, Now that there are signs that the COVID-19 pandemic here is starting to simmer down and starting to come under control, the question is, well, how about the rest of the world? And will the fate of the rest of the world actually tie us or keep us from mounting a possible economic recovery? Again, a lot of these questions to be answered, but at least there are signs of cases here starting to at least uh, level off and starting to at least come down a bit. And so far, so good for phase two, but knock on wood, I don't want to jinx anything, right? <laughs> you know, you're cute. I You you made me giggle when you, was, you were talking about the Singapore election having an impact on the uh, stock market. Because you come from a country where the elections are very exciting and, mm-hmm. you know, you could have a brand new government and what that hasn't happened in what? 50 plus years. Yes. And we're happy about this. Yes. Um, So I I don't think it has that much of an effect on the market. It might be that traders are distracted and are are watching that for entertainment. Possible. More than uh, influence on what they're going to do on the market Do you know what distracts traders in Manila? It's the (laughs) NBA finals, whatever comes on. Same thing. Right. You know, it's it's, it's entertainment. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, At the same time, I think people just aren't taking any chances. So yes, trading volumes are thin, but then you're seeing the markets trending upward for the most part. And very interesting, actually, earlier this week, I spoke to Terrence Wong of Azure Capitals, the CEO Mm -hmm. of Azure. And he pointed out to me also that, look, I, I know it's on your mind. I know you want to ask me what impact the elections are going to have. And and the answer right now is a no, unless we start to see the uh, voices of the electorate start to influence a shift in policy. And he pointed out a very interesting um, thing. And again, I wasn't here in Singapore when this happened, but uh, according to Ter- uh, Mr. Uh, Terrence Wong, the thinking behind uh, the openness of Singapore and, ha- and, and, uh, and, and the presence of foreign workers and foreigners mm-hmm, here mm-hmm. started to change a little bit because of complaints about, well, are they taking away their jobs? Is, sure. Are we creating more opportunities for people here? And you started, and he argues that you started to see a shift towards uh, perhaps just listening more to that side of the, mm-hmm. side of the mm-hmm. aisle. And, uh, and he says, this is what you have to watch out for. It's not so much who's going to win or lose or who's going to actually uh, 
come out victorious, but will there be an influence towards shifting your overall policy that could impact certain industries or the economy as a whole? That's what you have to watch out for. And maybe that's what traders are also parsing through at the moment as Mm. folks are campaigning, as folks are speaking, addressing their respective electorates or their districts. Perhaps if you're looking for clues as to, wait a minute, will this actually change how this sector works or how this industry might be affected? Will this affect how we treat future um, future uh, future stimulus plans, for instance? We've rolled mm-hmm. out a lot of stimulus this year. Yep. Singapore has. These the are some of these has. are probably yeah. Well, or the world has absolutely, and single and Singapore no exception there. I think these are some of the things that people are trying to ca- catch on to. Not so much who's going to win or lose. It's not. I don't think it's. Uh, I, I think at the moment, the stability of Singapore's uh, political system isn't being called into question, but these little tweaks, it's possible that you might see some little tweaks in certain policies here that might influence how the markets go. Uh, but again, it all depends on how things manifest on the ground and what and what the uh, what the voice of the people actually decides to tell the up the uh, the government that is about to form in the next nine days, nine days, right? Nine days. Yeah. Yes, nine days. There you go. My um, math's a little off. This is thirty. <laughs> <laughs> it is nine days, and it is quite interesting. It, it is, oh, as I've already said, it is very interesting to me because I'm watching my sons, both of whom are first time. You, you mentioned this earlier this week. Yeah, yeah, it's you know, it's I've been voting for a while, clearly, because I am an old girl. But um, it's your so, words, not mine. Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> because if you said it, you you wouldn't live for much I longer. I can see the curry puffs on your side. I do not want to be be on the receiving end of those. <laughs> but it is actually very thrilling on on my part to watch a young voter for the first time actually looking at it and. And, and studying it and, and exploring the different manifestos well, and stuff like that. Well, here, it's, yeah. it's, such, it's so cute. I it's, 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 there it's, isn't a better word for yeah, it. Yeah, but here's the other thing I wanted to point out. We're talking about some of these shifts that are pe- people are tracking at the mm-hmm. moment. This might be another thing that markets and people in general are trying to track. I mean, you do have a young population, or not a young population, but a sec- segment of Singapore that is going to vote for the first time. For these the first 18 time, years yes. old, these 20-year-olds that I get your 21. 21-year-olds. And not only are they assessing the landscape and learning more about the political system, but I'm sure they have their own points of views and mm-hmm. their own values that they probably want to put forward more, more, more than others. And again, there, there are elections are a great way to observe demographic shifts in a country, which will then obviously impact also and shape how an economy transforms moving forward. So I don't know what values your children might hold. And whether or not they hold certain values higher than, say, you do. Mm-hmm. Um, not here to make a judgment call there. But again, these are some of those shifts also that can happen. It's not just in terms of government policy and how it impacts certain sectors, but also demographic shifts. And elections are a great place to observe how these shifts might influence economies and countries moving forward, especially here in Singapore. I mean, uh, I'm sure that you guys are having a lot of interesting discussions either around the dinner table or over Skype or Zoom. They are, they, they are fun conversations, I have to say. And it, it was very... Um it was a big relief for me to realize that they were taking it seriously mm. and they were looking at it seriously. And it wasn't just something that, you know, is an inconvenience to them. They want to be actively involved. And um, it has something to do, though, with isn't it uh, your isn't it compulsory? Isn't it mandatory for folks to participate in the election? Yes. But, you know, doing it because you have to and, and it's a drudgery and doing it because you really want to. And this is exciting for you. Is are two different things, and I think it's also important to point out that uh, civic. This is a very important civic duty. I know that 
you know, the criticism of some folks is that one vote doesn't really make a difference. Mm-hmm. And uh, But here's what I want to point out also is that you've seen a lot of these shifts and a lot of these political surprises over the last four years. And I can just think of 2016, Brexit and the U.S. presidential elections. Right. Everybody thought both were not going to go the way they actually did. Yes. But they actually saw that. And one of the reasons they pointed out also is because, well, the folks who were supposed to vote against Brexit and the folks who were supposed to vote for uh, the Democratic candidate back then didn't really show up. There you, were, know? you know, the thing is, there, were there was a, a certain amount of apathy about uh, be, because it, to them it was such a foregone conclusion, no such thing. Mm. And I think it also shows how dangerous apathy can be yes. for folks, especially if certain causes really, really matter to you. If they really matter, this is one of those times when you are allowed a way to voice your opinion. And yes, one vote might not make a difference in a country of what, three million, a three million uh, strong pop, uh, voting population. Mm-hmm. But but you you have to take that as a collective as well, and the the consequence of perhaps knowing that you know things didn't go the way my principles wanted them to go because my vote wasn't cast. I mean, you lose a hundred percent of all the shots you do sure. not take. Right. That's exactly what I've told my children. Regardless of which way they want to vote and and how they're looking at it, they must vote. And mm-hmm. the reason they must vote is. Because then they take ownership of it. I hope your your your. I hope that for their sake. So I remember the first time I voted in Manila, and I, I was there, and I it, I took a little bit of time. You really should take your time when you're when you're in yes. that voting voting booth and really think about who you're going to put down. Um, my father barged into my voting voting booth. <laughs> Asking me why it took up. so long, and I <laughs> and I pretty I, I called out an election official saying you got to keep right, this guy all out right, of the JP, boat. so noted. I will resist the uh, urge to go smack them. Yes, um, and hurry them along. Let them take their time. It's noted. The first, take your time in your first election if it's your first election. Guys. It is their Think first election. Things. You can't have a first election again ever again. So I'm going <laughs> to let them enjoy that. Top glove. We've talked about this company. They've done, you know, great guns. They've they've been going great guns in in recent months. Are they still? They are actually doing quite well. Let me check actually their share price here in Singapore because we do know that they have two. Uh, they are dually listed both in Kuala Lumpur and here. Top Glove today is up by about two point one percent. It's a similar story out in Malaysia, and they've just been going from strength to strength. In fact, they are uh, the, this uh, this this. Um, the uh, the sudden surge in demand for surgical gloves and medical gloves during the pandemic has really driven has created a number of billionaires U.S. dollar billionaires up in Malaysia based on all of those glove makers there. But one of the concerns Top Glove has always had was how are we going to meet demand? Some of these glove makers have pointed out that if you order a set of medical gloves from us t- today, it might take four hundred days to fulfill your order because of the backlog and the immense backlog that we have. So. Naturally, the question is, well, how are you going to get around this? How do you speed up efficiency? How do you get your product to customers? According to the Nikkei Asian Review, Top Glove is going to be investing about 3 billion ringgit or 700 million U.S. dollars to modernize its facilities to, in, in order to try and reduce the dependency on migrant workers. And one of the things they're going to try to do is also introduce machine automation into their systems to try and speed things up. They are, you are Apparently, at the moment, they are... They are churning out about 16,000 gloves per capita each day, 
but they're still having trouble to keep up demand with demand at full capacity. Here's the actual number: if you were to order from Top Glove today and say, "Hey, I want I want a shipment of gloves," it's going to take 420 days for them to get to you at mm-hmm. this point because mm-hmm. of the immense backlog that they have. So their fa- their founder and chairman Lim Chui Chai has actually said that they have to intensify automation and digitalization across every aspect, which remains their top business priority. And they are going to be investing in advanced technology, robotic process out automation to try and speed things up. There are a few things that have, that this pandemic has also raised. Now, maybe a gloves manufacturing facility might be one of the safer places to be if you are on a production line. But we have seen a number of factories actually had to clo- have have to close down temporarily because of COVID nineteen infections, for instance. So perhaps there is also a rationalization. Our managers are asking themselves also at this point. Well. During a pandemic, is it fair for us to have people working in such close quarters in these facilities where you, you might have something spread? There's also the, uh, the question of, well, it, well, is this now the time for us to invest in automation to try and speed up and create efficiencies to meet some of these order backlogs and to, um, to meet our, the demand of our customers even faster? In the case of Top Glove, it's a different it's a different case of we have no choice. At the moment, they have no choice because if they do, don't do this, the backlogs are going to keep building up for Top Glove. They are going to be also using artificial intelligence for quality control and also reduce the volume of defective products and help boost production in efficiency. It's not just for the sake of folks running top glove also. It's also because they have a global market share of 26% of the entire global rubber glove market or the medical gloves market. And they export to about 195 uh, countries. Orders from China and Brazil have, have about quadrupled as compared to pre-COVID, pre-COVID times. And orders from the U.S. have now swelled by 150%. So in, on one hand, it's, it's good news for Top Club because they're not going to run out of customers. They're not going to run out of um, a possible growth. You're probably going to see their bottom line swell significantly. But the headache is still there that, that, uh, you know, that we have to get these products to them a lot faster. And we have to make sure that the people in the order line are not disgruntled waiting for their for their box of medical gloves. And this is just the latest step that they've that, that they're taking three billion ringgit that's going to be invested to add four hundred fifty new production lines until two thousand and twenty six in an effort to lift output capacity by about eighty percent. How about that? Just a lot of things on on, on their plate. And also shows that some of these runaway winners during the COVID-19 have pandemic. Have unique challenges. Have unique challenges and a different set of headaches. But uh, some might argue that these might it's be better headaches. It's a happy problem. Yeah, a happy problem. And I do want to point out also that uh, this leads me back to that one um, COVID-19 test kit maker in South Korea who was also raking it in in the first four months. And when they interviewed him, he looked at them with, apparently he looked at the interviewer and said, do you think I'm smiling right now? Because I can't focus on my other product lines. Everything has to be focused on meeting the demand for you these know, test I'm kits. You know, I'm sorry, but had I, been that, uh, <laughs> had I been that journalist, my reaction would have been, boo-hoo. oh, boo-hoo. <laughs> True, but uh, but never. A new Lamborghini should do it for you. It should be nice for you, correct? <laughs> but uh, it's a different. At least you're you're you're. At least you're having a sleepless night, not because you're worried about whether you're going to stay open. Now yeah, you're worried exactly. about well, well, how do I meet all of this demand and how do I balance all these? Increasing how do I stay relevant two years from now with a new product? Well, you know, you worry about that next month. Pretty much. <laughs> there you go. This has been Market View. I'm Clarissa Montero with JP Ong, finance presenter. He will be back with more presenting of finance news. <laughs>
News on Prime Time. This is Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.